Well, good evening. Glad that you could come to the six o'clock service. I've appreciated being with people at the two and four o'clock. My name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to talk to you tonight about light and the hope that light brings into our world. And we're going to look at a passage in just a little bit from John's gospel. But uh, as I was preparing this week, I came across this conversation between a high school student and his mom. They were in the car, and uh, he had just finished hockey practice. And so on the way home, he said, hey, mom, can I ask you something? And she was a little nervous because she thought he was going to ask a question about hockey. And she didn't know a lot about hockey. But instead, he asked a much deeper question. He said, what do you think the world will be like in 20 years? Because when I look around, things seem really bad. They seem really dark. And I just wonder how much worse it's going to get. Isn't that interesting? High school students asking that question, what they observe. And I just want to remind you tonight that as we think about Christmas, it's easy sometimes to think of Christmas and the nativity scene as something calm and peaceful that happened in just a really pleasant time. But the truth, that, truth is, as one author has put it, that it was into a dark, chaotic, war-torn, impoverished, and politically tense, anybody relate, and complex time in history that Jesus was born. The world at that time was in turmoil and chaos. Wars and rumors of war abounded. A pregnant, unmarried teenager and her fiance had their world upturned by a pregnancy Without resources and without shelter, the couple made their way to Bethlehem, where they had been ordered to show up to be counted for a national census. Every family had to get up and travel to be counted. It was 2,000 years ago, in the same moment that we mark tonight, the racial tensions divided people. Refugees were stacked up at the borders. There were terrorists who waged war on unsuspecting people. There were the haves and the have-nots. There was abuse of power and politics were corrupt. And yet, into that darkness, God did something. And so if you study, if you go home tonight or tomorrow and you decide as an individual or a family to read the story of Christmas from the Bible, you would need to find it in the first two chapters of Matthew or the first two chapters of Luke's Gospels. Mark and John don't really cover some of the details. But John actually talks about Christmas in kind of a neat way. And we want to look at that tonight. He, he talks about this idea of light that I just mentioned. So if you would, if you look up at the screen, we'll see here uh, the verses of how he wrote. And, and before he says this, he opens this gospel by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's referring to Jesus, calling him the word. So now it goes on. In him was life. And that life was the, what's the next word, friends? Light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to read that one more time, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Would you say that with me? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So just thinking about this a little bit. You think about what that high school guy was wondering. He was thinking about darkness. And if I was to think of a word that he probably had on his heart and mind in the car that night, he was thinking about darkness as heaviness. That for him, he felt it was palpable to him. He could just feel the heaviness of this world. And so I was writing down uh, on a piece of paper 
some of the other words I would give for heaviness or, excuse me, darkness like heaviness. So I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're going through a period where you feel like you're in some darkness, but here's some words that I've certainly experienced in the past. Emptiness, loneliness, lostness, cut offness from God, sadness, sickness, numbness. I, I remember a time in college where I, 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 God seemed miles away, and I, at least for almost two months, I, I just had no sense of God. And then numbness <clears throat> felt like darkness, hopelessness. Uh, sometimes in its worst state, selfishness, godlessness, and what happens when people just grab for themselves and live without any reference for God. And so sometimes the darkness can feel like that. And I don't know, again, where you're at tonight, if any of these you relate, but why is there darkness in the world? Well, there's several explanations, of course, but the Bible tells us that the larger story is that when God created the world, he meant for our world to be filled with light. In fact, the Bible begins this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he uh, saw the emptiness, the, there was nothing. And out of that empty and nothingness, the Bible says, he said, let there be, do you remember what he said next? Light. And there was light. Why? Because God spoke light into the world And yet, we read a couple chapters later that because people chose to go their own way, the darkness that entered the world because of that kind of selfishness and that kind of going our own way, independent spirit, brought a kind of darkness, a kind of darkness where we needed light. We needed a savior more than Santa. You know, I uh, I love reading uh, children's letters, and I came across a collection of letters that children wrote to Santa Claus. Some of them were pretty good. Here's one. One said, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. (laughs) Signed, Alfred. My favorite one went like this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jeffrey. He is two. There is David. He is four, and there is Norman. He is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all the time. I am Norman. (laughs) And the reason we need Christmas is because we aren't Normans, are we? None of us are good all the time, and we need the light, the hope that Jesus shines. And so it goes on and says that not only the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it, but John continues. Look at what he says in verse 9 of chapter 1. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. I've thought about this a lot. How Jesus could have come a whole bunch of ways. He could have blown us away. Instead, he came incognito, as someone has said. And so it wouldn't blow us away. And he came in a way that was relatable. And yet, because he came the way he did, he wasn't necessarily recognized. So it goes on. He came to that which was his own. 
but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. By the way, the word for glory is just another word for radiant light. It can mean greatness, yes, but it means blazing, brilliant, glorious light. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full, full of grace and truth. Now think about this. When God saw the darkness that was created by our waywardness, by our own independent spirit, by our own going our own way, he could have left us in it, but he came. And he didn't just come any old way. I have a little sign at at my office that says, God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. (laughs) What did he send? He sent his best. He sent his one and only son, God in human form. Why is that so important? Would it help you tonight to know that whatever kind of darkness you may experience in your life, that Jesus has gone through it too? The Bible says is that he is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses or our challenges, but has gone through everything we have gone through yet without sin. He is able to experience those things and identify with us, and he is able to shine his light in such a way that it cannot over, the darkness cannot overcome it. He came to bleed and to die in our place on the cross to make a way for us to be made right with God and to walk in the light. Now, it says here, what I want you to think about tonight is where would you, where would you put yourself? So if just in all honesty, I know in a room this size, you might be part of the group that says, I'm in the group that has not received him, and I'm not sure I want to. And so if you just know that, at least you know where you're at. Uh, the director, a film director and actor, Woody Allen says, I'm scared of the dark, but I'm suspicious of the light. And there are many people that they're not sure what they think about God. And this Christmas, you may be going through something that's actually made you angry or made you uh, doubtful. Can I just say that what I've learned is that that doesn't surprise God. And God also knows that the best way for you to deal with that is not necessarily just to keep that to yourself, but tell him. When I was younger, uh, the turning point in my life came when I finally said, God, I I don't know you. And if you want me to walk with you, you're going to have to make yourself real to me. And I don't know how you'll do that. I don't even know if if you're able to do that or want to do that. But I asked him. And that was a turning point in my life, because at some point later, that's exactly what he did. But it started with me just being honest about where I was at. I had not received him. I had not believed in him. So if you're there, do you know where you're at? Then it says there's another group of people that says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name. So they were willing to say, I want to receive the light of Jesus into my life. I want to believe in his name. What's that mean? Just Jesus, the name Jesus? No, his name means his character. That means that he's trustworthy. That means that he is good. That means that he does have a plan of caring for us. To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that changed everything. He has come from the Father full of grace and truth. He tells us the truth, but he also is ready to give us tremendous grace. So when you think about that, have you, have you seen where you're at with all that? Have you come to a place? And you may say, well, how do I do that? Do you realize that you could kneel by your bed tonight 
and say, I want to receive you. I want to believe in you and trust in you and trust my life to you. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but I am so glad you want to shine your light into my darkness, light into this world. Show me what that would look like for me to receive you and believe in your name so that I might become a child of God. Wow. That's the good news of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. So you may be saying to yourself, okay, I've done that. In fact, I've heard this many times, Jeff. And so what about me? Well, what I would say is there's something that Jesus actually said that we can do. You see, wouldn't it be great if when Jesus came the first time, you know, I talked about how he came quietly, he came incognito. When he came the first time, did he get rid of all darkness? Uh, Evidently not. So he came and he began to shine his light into the darkness. What the Bible says is there's coming a day when he will completely eliminate the darkness. In fact, for those who have received him, who believe in his name, we'll be part of a city. And here's how it's described in Revelation. You know, the Reverend Billy Graham died this last year. Someone once asked him years ago, he said, you seem to be an optimistic person, even though it's sometimes a really dark world. Why is that? And he said, I've read the end of the book and we win. And Revelation 21, here's what it says. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamb is its lamp. Jesus is lamp. Can you imagine there's not going to be any need for electricity? Can you imagine being in the uneclipsed presence of the Lord, and his light is just so unbelievable that we're going to live in the glory of that light the rest of eternity? That's just an amazing thing to think about. But between the now and not yet, what is our part? Well, Jesus was preaching one day on a mountaintop, and here's what he said in Matthew 5. He said to all those who believed in him, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So did you see that? Let your light. What's the next word? Shine. So tonight, what do we do with Jesus' light? What are you doing with Jesus' light? Are you at this point where you're saying, I don't know yet, I've not received him? Or have you said, oh, I have. I've come to receive and believe in his name. If you've already done that part, then maybe tonight what he's saying to you is, now it's time to shine. Now it's time to shine. I was reading a story this week uh, from Scotland, and here's what it said. A gentleman was walking one day on the east end of the city of Glasgow, Scotland. The streets were so narrow and the houses so high that little direct sunshine ever reached the houses on one side. Can you picture that? The gentleman noticed a ragged, barefooted boy trying with a small piece of mirror to catch the sun's rays and direct them to a certain spot on one of the houses opposite. He became interested in the boy's earnest efforts. What are you trying to do, laddie, he asked. He said, do you see that window up there, the boy replied. Well, my little brother had an accident two years ago and is always lying on his back in that room and it is on the wrong side to get the sunshine. So I always try to catch the light in this little mirror and shine it up into his room. He understood that the light wasn't just for him. And he understood that he wasn't the light himself, but he could reflect the light. He understood that wherever he went, he could be a carrier of the glory and the light of God in this world. And that is just an amazing thing to think that everyday people like you and I, we don't do it arrogantly or stridently, but humbly just to say, okay, show me how wherever I live, 
whoever I run across, wherever I find myself, now show me because you have come into the world. You're the light of the world, and you've now come into my life and given me life. Show me how to shine. And so what would that look like if you began to shine in your school? What would that look if you shined at your office place? What would that look like if you shined with people that maybe are skeptical about God in your neighborhood or in your friendship circles? What would that look like? Every day you woke up and said, Lord, show me how I can lift up people. Lord, show me how I can do something that would point them to the fact that you care about them. Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to them about you if you open that door. But no matter what, would you please shine in their life like you've shined in mine? And whenever you go through a day, if you look for opportunities to shine, it's amazing how the littlest thing can make a difference. You know, I read back in World War II when the Nazis were German, uh, Nazi Germany was bombing London. They had to turn out the lights almost all the time for weeks because of the Blitzkrieg. But they found, the British bombers found that when they were up 20,000 feet in the, in the sky, that if someone, even one person, lit a match, they could see it from 20,000 feet. Why? Because the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, cannot overcome it. What God wants to do in our world, what he wants to do in your life, just to be honest about a couple of things, you know, the guy that came up here and read the Advent, lit the Advent candle tonight and read that, that story about Advent, I was thinking about this while I was preparing the message. He's just a regular guy in our church named Steve. Two years ago tonight, after I got done speaking, I left and drove to his house because of the love of his life, his wife of 28 years, Paula, was dying and just a few weeks away from passing away. And so I knew that their heart was heavy that night and they were feeling just the weakness of that. And we went and, and just spent time in their living room. And I remember I talked with Steve between services about this. Somehow, in the midst of that very difficult night, we sensed the hope of Christ, that there was life, that could be life beyond the grave as well as life here. And I just remember the preciousness of us praying together, seeking the Lord, and that's amazing in itself. But what I've appreciated is the way Steve has continued to look for ways to let the light of Christ shine in and through him. And I've appreciated the way so many of you have looked for opportunities to lift up somebody through a word, a look, a touch, a gift, a prayer. And as we do that together, as we gather together, God will shine through us. You know how Jesus still shines today in this world? Through his words, through his Holy Spirit, and through his people. And he's looking for people that will say, shine through me, Lord. We're going to sing a song in just a minute that talks about Jesus being the one who's worthy of our praise. And you know what early Christians did? One of the ways they shined in the world is that they sang, they sang, even in the darkest times, words of hope.